following podcast contains adult materials such as swearing and mathematics. We'll let you decide which is scarier. Moreover, we of course know everything about the presenter mathematics. But if you think we've made a mistake, think of it as an application of Cunningham's Law. The best way to get the right answer on the internet is to post the wrong one. That's our excuse, and we're sticking with it. Hello and welcome to Maths at the Movies. We're a brand new podcast, because there's not enough of those in the universe. And simply put, we're two mathematicians and an interested observer who want to critique movies with a mathematical bent. I'm your co-host, Thomas Woolley, and joining me now and forevermore is the extremely old Ben Parker and the extremely young Liz. How are you guys? Oh, I'm really well, Tom, and less of the old. <laughs> And I don't think I'm actually significantly younger than Ben, when we think about it. Well, I, I, I wasn't going to bring that up, but uh, Ben just celebrated his birthday, didn't he? How was that? Yes, uh, and it was very good. My birthday was a product of two distinct primes. So, six? Yeah, I could be six. You could be six? <laughs> well, you had to think there, didn't you? <laughs> okay, so well, just to give, the, just to give the, the listener an idea of what we're doing here... We're hopefully over the next few weeks going to be watching a whole range of uh, movies that uh, contain mathematics, either explicitly, uh, sort of like the movie we watched today, uh, the movie 21. Oh, and that was quite explicit at times, wasn't it? (laughs) No, 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 no. we're going to come on to this. My whole point about this film is it really wasn't, but anyway. Uh, Okay, good. Uh, I I, To be honest, I think this is as as explicit as a movie's going to get about mathematics. (laughs) Um, so yes, this week we watched the film 21. I hope everyone did watch the film 21, didn't they? Oh, I loved it. Oh, should I not say that yet? <laughs> I oh, no, no, it. please do. So Ben, you, you, Lyd, well, Lyd, what did you think about it? I didn't hate it. Ooh. Except <laughs> some ways in which I did. Ooh. I've got to say, I, I, I found it interesting, but the places it fell down for me were the parts where it stopped being a heist movie and started being a teenage rom-com. Uh, yeah, I mean, it did have a few failings. I mean, why, why, don't, you, why don't you take the love of the audience through the uh, plot first? Uh, that might be, a, yeah, if, you, if you're going to do that. We start off with our protagonist, Ben. Ben Campbell. Not me, and another he's Ben. Trying... No, not, not you, Ben. Although you are our uh, gambling expert, so no doubt we're going to be coming to you for a lot of the, the points here. Now, this is Ben Campbell. Uh, Jim Sturgis. I, I, I've never heard of him. I did actually look him up, up on IMDb afterwards. And he hasn't really done much else, to be honest. In fact, apart from Kevin Spacey, no one has. Well, there was also Lawrence Fishburne in that, but we'll get there. So, Ben. Ben Campbell. He wants to become a medic. Did anyone at any point feel like he wanted to become a medic? Absolutely not. And that really confused me. <laughs> it was such a bizarre... A- anyway, we'll, we'll get... he wants to become a medic, go to Harvard Medical School. But the fees there are $300,000. Is that is that real? I mean, is that, are those fees or is that like everything? Well, he did say at one point it's at least 300000 and that's just the accommodation, did thing. I think that's everything. I, don't, I mean, we, you know, our American listeners can correct us, but yeah, people. In but that's the, still ridiculous, even if it is everything. Yeah, and I've been to Harvard. It's nothing special. It's like you know, Cambridge, but sort of toned down a bit. <laughs> okay, so you know, there's American listeners that we were talking about. I think we've just lost them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All all the Americans are now gone. Uh, sorry, guys. 
so yeah, so he wants to go to Harvard Medical School. Costs three hundred thousand dollars, which is ridiculous. And the professor giving him the interview says, "I want to be dazzled. The last person we gave this scholarship to, which would pay all your fees, had only one leg. Try cutting off one of your legs." He does actually say that in the film, which I quite like. That's a good line. Um, it, it's a good line. Also, I'm not, I'm not sure how how kind of respectful that is to people with disabilities. That it's like you've got one leg. I was gobsmacked. I was, you know, I couldn't <laughs> think about anything else other than he didn't say anything about his brain. He didn't say anything about his personality, his amazing bedside manner. It was just I could not get past the single leg. That was it. I mean, this is why I don't like Harvard. Three hundred thousand pounds and sort of no disability discrimination training whatsoever. <laughs> But anyway, yes, so he has to dazzle this professor and he can't think of a way of doing it, so he then leaves. He gets involved with Kevin Spacey and a team of card counters. What was Kevin Spacey's name? It was Mickey, wasn't it? Mickey is Mickey the, Rosa. Kevin Spacey. Mickey Rosa, Mickey Rosa. And he teaches uh, Ben how to count cards. And so they go to Vegas, start counting cards. It's all going really well. And what's really interesting, at one point I do want to get into, is that he does never lose... When he's going good, he never loses. And I don't think people understand how probability works. Yeah, you never see him losing a single hand in the movie, do you? Yeah, well, except for when he, when he needs to. At the end of the second act, when everything has to go crap, he does lose one hand. Yeah, I mean, that's not like losing a leg. It's losing a hand. Of... <laughs> <laughs> it's not, that's how he would get into Harvard. not trying med. to satisfy the uh, Harvard med school. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay, okay. So anyway, yeah, uh, it's all going great. Um, they're all celebrating. Ben's doing really well in uh, card counting. But, dun, 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 in the background, we have Larry Fishburne. Oh, Larry I Fishburne. Love, oh, Larry. I love. I love Larry Fishburne. I don't think the movie did much for race relations either. Yeah, everyone else <laughs> in the movie is white. Uh, but the people beating up people in the basement of the Las Vegas casino, no, spoilers, sorry, uh, are all black. But this is actually an interesting point, because I read the Wikipedia uh, article on this, and you read the book, didn't you, Ben? I, I, no, actually, I haven't read the book. I've, um, so I, I was thinking of another uh, book about uh, a bunch of uh, uh, this kind of West Coast uh, US students who managed to uh, break the uh, uh, casino by playing uh, roulette. Oh, 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 the one with the, where it was in the shoe? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, no, so, so this was MIT students uh, cracking the, the code for blackjack. So, as I say, but I, I looked on the Wikipedia article about it, and it's, about, it's based on the true events of Asian students. So, this film got a lot of backlash about people claiming that it was whitewashing. Um, and interestingly, the guy who it's based on, Jeffrey Ma, Jeff Ma, actually appears in the film as the, one of the uh, card tellers. So let's get this right. They took a story a bunch of, about a bunch of Asian people. They cast them as white people. Yep. And then made some jokes about people needing to get rid of a leg to get into Harvard. This is going well, isn't it, guys? Wow. I mean, gosh. don't even... I, I have I have a whole section to do on the treatment of women in this movie. <laughs> but within the first hour, a, women were referred to as that twice. Twice really? in an hour. No, no, no. Actually, actually, I've got to, I've got to back lid upon this. At one point, um, after the, after the underground Chinese casino scene, Kevin Spacey and Ben walk out, and he he's talking to Ben, Kevin Spacey, and he says, "Okay, you're going to be our big player because I don't trust the girls, and <laughs> Choi is Choi." Oh yeah, and never he never explains it. There's never nothing more than that. There's not, no, you know, it's, just, it's just I don't trust the girls. What is that about? 
does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Oh no, it doesn't. I checked. It does not. So this is a, this is a test whether uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but whether two women in a movie have a conversation about anything other than a man. So there are two women, but do they ever have a conversation with each other? No, they they do not. And other than Ben, none of the characters have any development really to speak of. At all. Oh God, no! There's no character. We can we get through the film? Okay, I, sorry. I do want to bring up all these points, but let we'll me finish what the film's about. Larry, he's just your old-time gangster thug who beats you up if you're too good at casino games. Which I, I, I love that idea that if you're too good at something, they beat. I, I'd love to see someone breaking Usain Bolt's leg just because you're too good at running. <laughs> so he's on the case, and I think everything's going well. But all of a sudden, there is a downturn in misfortunes. And, a downturn uh, in misfortunes. A, a, a downturn in their fortunes, and uh, and things start to fall apart. Things start going wrong. Kevin Spacey leaves the team, says, "Screw you guys, I'm going home." And Jim Sturgis, Ben, he says, "Well." We don't need him. We can do it ourselves as a team, as a young go-getter team, which I've got to kind of agree with him. I, I mean, okay, Ben was being a bit of an idiot at this point, but they kind of didn't need Kevin Spacey. But again, we'll get into that later. But anyway, so they, they try and do it themselves. Kevin puts in a call to Larry. Um, Larry then rounds them up, beats up Jim a bit, and he goes home. All of his money's been stolen. Oh, this is a point I won't get to. He was keeping all of his winnings in his ceiling. That irritated... This guy is meant to be a a genius. And he kept all of his winnings in his ceiling. Rookie error. I mean, he sort of... I think the whole point is that he's kind of good at maths, bad at life. Which, by the way, should be our tagline. I I do like that. At the end, that's going to be our sign-off. Good at maths, bad at life. See you next week. Um, But actually, okay, no, I I do get that. So what I was wondering, is there... um, do you have to pay tax on winnings? Was he not putting it in the bank because that would be suspicious? No, you don't have to pay tax on winnings. Not in the UK, anyway. Not in the US, either. Well, then why wasn't he putting it in a bank? His his money is all stolen, probably by Kevin. He goes to see Kevin, says, Koshi stole from his students. That's a complete lie. But I want to get back in with you because I've got nothing left. Let's go to Vegas one more time and clean them out. And this really irritated me as well because Kevin Spacey, after all this time... Being the man behind the scenes, the Kaiser Soze, if you will, decides to come out of retirement for one last time. Oh, one last job. It's always one last job, isn't it? But he... No, he was happy being the man in the background. He knew he couldn't go back. You always have to go back, Tom. They say you never go back, but you always have to go back. You always return to the scene of the crime. The, the, The whole team is back. Ben, Kiana, Troy, Jill, Kevin Spacey, they're all there. And they go out for one last job. They're at the. They're, they're cleaning the house. Blackjack all the way. Uh, Larry. Larry comes charging in, and there's a big chase scene. They're chasing them through the back alleys of the of the casino. They split up. Which can I just point out on the uh, on the chase scene through the through the uh, casino is lifted straight out of Sister Act. <laughs> Are they in the background? Can you see some nuns? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just like, wait, I've been here before. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> so twice, you, twice in Sister Act. So you think they ran out of budget and said, "Look, we're just going to re- reuse. We're going to reuse the scene. It worked in Sister Act. It will work <laughs> in this movie about maths." 
I would have loved it because at, at this point, Ben and Kevin Spacey are in disguises, which is the only time at the start of the film says, hey, we use disguises. No, they don't. This is the only time. And I would have loved if they were dressed up as nuns. Well, no, but wait, the women use disguises. They, they put the women in a variety of kind of sexy outfits. But Jill wears a kind of variety of sexy wigs. She, she has a variety of sexy wigs. I will give you that. Larry's chasing them through the back. Kevin says, give me the chips. What? 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 Anyway, give me the chips and I'll meet you up at our safe house later. Kevin runs out one door. Ben and Jill run out another door. Kevin runs into a, a, a limo and says, to the airport. I'm out of here. And then, ha, 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 ha. He looks in the bag and it's chocolate coins. First twist. I like it. But then, so we then see the, the whole scene unfold as, and we find out that Ben was actually in cahoots with Larry. Oh, Larry, that old dog. And he said, if you can bring Kevin Spacey to me, I'll let you have one night of winning. No one will bother you and you can keep your chips. But then there's a second double cross. I, I, this is what I did like about the film. There's the one double cross which you're kind of expecting. When Kevin Spacey says, give me the chips, you know he ain't going to come back. But the second double cross where Larry comes out and says, hey, kid, you're done good. Now give me the money. Didn't expect that. I thought Larry was going to be a stand-up guy, but he ain't. And so uh, Larry, uh, sorry, Larry gets the chips. He goes and retires on, on some beach somewhere. And the, the, the film closes with Ben in the office of the Harvard Medical School professor. Once again, dazzling him with the story of the whole film that's just gone on and showing him how he broke the system of blackjack. I think that's the entire film there. I think that's a pretty good summary, yeah. It was essentially a movie about how to lie and get into university. Uh, it's like, like, like filling in your UCAS form by telling a tall story about having done the Duke of Edinburgh Gold exhibition, okay? But on speed. However, <laughs> do you really want somebody in your university that's going to lie, cheat and gamble their way into it? This was exactly the point Lorraine had. And I, I've got to agree with her. You know, at the end, when they cut, the, one of the final scene, I think, is the cut to the professors in Harvard's face. Yeah. And he looks shocked, not yeah. dazzled. I mean, so this was my big problem. Well, I have a few, I have a few issues with the film. But okay, counting cards, not illegal. No, you, know, and, you might get your legs broken. We, but... but, you know, and we, we sort of somehow slightly supposed to side with the casino that, that, you know, probably takes money off lots of people who can't afford it every year. But anyway... Are we meant to side with the casino? Well, I think a little bit. No, I think I think we're meant to side with the geeks. I I, I think with the geeks because Larry is not a nice character. Oh, interesting. So I, I liked him. <laughs> I was fond. <laughs> no, well, look, look, we, we all liked Larry. Let's not. But as a character, he was meant to be the yeah. antagonist. So counting cards, not illegal. You know, frowned upon, whatever, not illegal. But what is illegal? is conspiring someone to get them tied to a chair and beaten up. Like, that is actually illegal. That is not okay. And I found it pretty horrifying at the end. I know we're supposed to kind of all go, oh, well, Kevin Spacey got us just desserts. And, you know, had it been illegal or had Kevin Spacey perhaps, like, been found out for the robbery of the room and, like, gone through a proper justice system, fine. <laughs> I'm not on board. I'm not on board with being like, oh, hooray. Like, Kevin Spacey will now be tortured for some Where is the judicial system here? I just, I don't know. Do you think it's any worse than Harvard's sexist, racist admissions policy? <laughs> oh, no, no, disabledist I mean, as well. Disabledist. disabledist as well. 
I mean, what? But I, but ultimately, what Ben has done at the end of this film is 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 gone into an interview and been like, "So this is my criminal past," yeah. about which yeah. I feel no guilt. Um, and and please allow me to to go and and treat patients. <laughs> <laughs> this is why medicine costs so much because you have to go to Vegas, put your life at risk. <laughs> in order to be able to become a doctor. This is obviously the case. But the, anyway, enough, enough of this. Okay, we need to talk about the math. My problem with the movie is that it took us 10 minutes in to get to three pieces of mathematics, which then all came at once. Um, and, uh, 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 oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, ben, Ben, that's my name as well. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> It took 10 minutes in for Ben and his friends to discover some mathematics. So the first thing was it was a birthday and it was his Fibonacci birthday. Oh, okay. oh, 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 I love this. Okay. And he had a cake, which, you know, and it had the numbers 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, and then sort of dot, dot, dot. And the next one, of course, is 21. Okay, so you add the two terms before. So you add 1 and 2, you get 3. You add 2 and 3, you get 5. And you add 8 and 30, you get 21. And these guys are meant to be maths geniuses, and they can't work out what a Fibonacci sequence is. I completely agree. I think this is going to have to be one of the problems. I'm going to make some predictions now for future films that we're watching based on the generalization of purely seeing this one. My first one is the mathematicians are always going to be the bad guys in some way. My second one is that you have it's kind of the Big Bang Theory problem, that you have to have these amazing intelligent geeks, but to be able to explain it to the audience, they have to act dumb sometimes. Even because at one point, as you say, one of his friends, what was his name? Cam, I think his name was. I've got the list here. Yeah, his name Cam. He says, Oh, it took me five minutes to work out that, that was Fibonacci sequence. No, it didn't! <laughs> and if, if so, what are you doing doing a maths degree, a computer science degree at, at MIT? Get out. Oh, Oh, there was a beautiful moment. I don't know if you noticed. You know, when, when uh, in that scene with the cake and Fibonacci, they talk about the robot they're building, which is a side plot that really goes nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they, they talk about it and, oh, Josh Gad is in this. I, I didn't, right. One, there are a couple of things that Lorraine does brilliantly. Lorraine is very good at spotting music in films. She can just hear a few bars and be able to tell you it's from The Mummy or uh, Mission Impossible or whatever. She's amazing. The other thing is... I think you should explain that Lorraine is your wife, Thomas. Oh, yes. Lorraine is my wife. I'm a, I'm a mathematician who's married. I know that's unbelievable, but yes, yeah. it's true. Um, so, was like, yeah, but she's also very good at spotting celebrities. I, I'm almost face blind, so I, I, I'm really terrible at it. But she was there. Was like, is that Josh Gad? Is like, who's Josh Gad? He was the snowman in Frozen. No way. He's the... Oh, my God. Yes, that's Josh Gad. Yeah, ah, I... cool. OK, but I mean, his entire role in this uh, show was playing kind of not hot typical mathematician that can't get laid i mean if he if he referred to women as that a bit less he he might well actually get laid a bit more just yeah. saying uh, uh, there's hope for us all then lid but there's one point when they're having <laughs> the cake he brings out some papers with a load of code on it oh yeah and i wrote down what he said Do you know what so the guy took a load of code glanced at it and said this is good Okay. <laughs> not only. But you know what that code is. Do you it? know what that code is? What is it? I, I uh, it's uh, it's one of the facts on, on on IMDb, and the printed source code for the robot is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Geodetic Survey GPS Toolbox. 
Wow. Okay, so it's at least got something to do with GPS. They obviously Google GPS. The point is, Ben, okay, not only can he count cards, but he can take a yep. sheet of printed code and compile yep. it in his head. Okay? <laughs> ben Can't be all. is... Okay. Oh, okay. So... That was that was actually my third bit of mathematics. Okay, we had three bits of mathematics. So ten minutes in, we had the Fibonacci birthday sequence. Okay, okay. which which he couldn't work out. He could compile the code in his head because that's really easy compared <laughs> to Fibonacci number. And and then and then they had an argument over who was or how to divide the bill. Okay. Oh yes. Who was paying for the bill in the restaurant? Okay. And this guy can count. Six decks of cards in his head. He can work out the prices of suits from his summer job and add on the tax and take away the discount in his head. But they can't work out how to split some chicken wounds in a restaurant. But one thing I've got to mention is throughout all this film, what do his friends do for that robot? They probably shag it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving swiftly on. (laughs) So the next part of maths is the Newton... This is where we actually get to first meet... Kevin Spacey in the the lecture theatre. Okay, okay, this is one of my favourite movie tropes ever is that I've never seen a lecture in a TV show or a film or anything that lasted more than a minute and a half. I know! (laughs) I know, it's amazing, wasn't it? And they always have them, like, start to finish. I mean, it, it would be so easy to say, and one final thing before we go or something, but no, it's always just, this is the start of a lecture, it goes on for a minute and a half, off you go. I mean, I wish my degree had been like that. <laughs> if I'd gone to any lectures. Maybe it was. So, he is teaching, as he says, non-linear equations. Okay? Right. Yeah, okay, hold on. What's a non-linear okay, equation? Okay, yeah, no, I could see that coming. I could see that question coming. <laughs> so, let's start with a linear equation. A linear equation is the equation of a line. Okay? It's as simple as that. You have a straight line, you could write down the equation. Yeah. So far, so good. Now, yeah. because it's a line, you can then solve that equation for where for any point. So if you want to know where it, it cuts a point, uh, say yeah. it's the x-axis, you say, I can solve that easily. Cool. Now, you can also do that if the equation is quadratic, cubic. So quadratic is not the same as linear. No, so quadratic is when you have a, a power 2, so x yeah. squared. So I can do those. I can do, do you know those. the solution? Full points to lid if you can say the binomial theorem. Uh. No. <laughs> minus b plus or minus square root of b squared. Oh, no, no, minus... wait, no, I can, I can, I can, wait. Yes, sorry, I just didn't know its name. It is, oh, God, okay, well, you've just said most of it. No, no, I didn't say all of it, though, come on. Minus b plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac all over, oh, 4a? 2a, but 2a, that was not oh. mag- magnificent, Lid, magnificent. <gasps> How how good do you Thank feel you very right much. now? Yeah, well, not not amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair I enough. I mean, you know, that is. I think that's like C grade GCSE. It's quadratic equations. Well, the fact you got it wrong, that's probably a D. But okay. that's the point. But anyway, so that that's the quadratic equation. So you can write down the roots for a quadratic. That's when you have x squared. A, a linear equation yeah. only has x. Quadratic okay. has x squared. Cubic has x cubed. So this was a class in in basically anything that's not a linear equation no no no. this is the thing so we can solve linear we can solve right. quadratic cubic quartic yeah. but that's it right. so all the others quintic sextic septic octic nontic and i can't do any more dectic probably um all those when you have a higher power of x other than 
four, four. you can't generally solve them. Okay. Okay? Can't you just draw it? Well, that, that's the thing. This is where the newton raphson technique comes in. Ben, take it. Okay, so, I mean, uh, before, I just want to say, uh, Kevin Spacey as a maths teacher, legendary. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, can I point out something? What, what, what I always find with Kevin Spacey is that he's the most interesting, boring person. I always find him really sinister in a... Hey, yeah, he's like my uh, uncle. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, come over here. I've got some sweets for you. Now I'm going to gut you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i mean the point the point is he's the maths teacher we all want to be okay he knows everything he's like uh, i don't know about you when you're teaching tom but you have a student that do well okay you don't take him aside and you know get him involved in your business because you don't have time okay much as you'd love <laughs> to sort of sit down and have a conversation well, this is a, let, let, that undermines his whole character i feel because if he's won so much money what's he doing lecturing uh, you know what? We had a teacher at school who had made so much money as an accountant, he just wanted to put something back. Really? So, you know, oh. I can understand that if Kevin Spacey came to put something back. But actually, no, he wants to endanger his students and put them in a basement <laughs> with a large man who's going to beat them up. Do we think he actually just has some kind of like pathological, pathological hatred of casinos? And actually, it's just all about, maybe this is just a motivation we haven't seen. It's just all about exacting revenge on casinos. Maybe he's got a backstory with it. Maybe his dad... To be honest, like, I, I would love to have seen that. I, I think there is a backstory there that we... I, I think there's a prequel waiting to happen because the, it's hinted at through Larry. He says, you know, oh, there's this uh, uh, Mickey Rosa. He, you know, he took my casino for seven fingers and then I was fired. So there is backstory there that I would love to see Oh, that. my God. How much would I love to see? But the thing is, I kind of want to see Larry Fishburne and Kevin Spacey in the leads. And I don't know how we could make them younger, but... Like, ah, oh, I mean, they'd be, they're, they're both so good. I know. Imagine. Here's another fact. So again, another fact from IMDb. There was an alternative ending shot for this. Oh. So here, as I mentioned, here the ending is quite sinister. You have Kevin in the chair and uh, Larry putting on some rings, getting, to do, getting ready to do some damage. But the, uh, an alternative ending was shot where uh, Mickey Rosa, uh, Kevin Spacey, he gets away. And uh, mm -hmm. he turns up a few years later when Lawrence Fishburne is on the beach. He's retired and they meet each other. And because they're retired, they then start laughing and joking about the old times. Huh. That's totally weird. Yeah, that is, that is a, a genuinely strange. And also kind of points to... I, I kind of felt like Kevin Spacey's character was kind of un unambiguously bad. But it kind of points to a, a forgiveness of, of Kevin Spacey that, that the storytellers ha may have ha kind of had in the back of their mind because of his, his, because of his backstory and his dad that was, that was wronged by the casino. <laughs> okay, I, I think ben, ben wants to say some maths. Go, Ben. Sorry. Okay, so, so okay, Kevin Spacey, great teacher, inspirational, he's a teacher we all want to be, okay? <laughs> But he's doing a lecture on, I don't know, differential calculus. No, 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 it was not, it wasn't, I thought that, but no, it's nonlinear equations. Okay, nonlinear equations, third year course, maybe. All right, but at some point he just said, and now we're going to talk about the Monty Hall project. Yes! Okay. Yes! He just All completely right. different. Changes tack. And I don't know if he's using this as a surprise entrance exam for Ben. I don't know oh no, it definitely, his... definitely is. He wants to test Ben, but it comes out of nowhere. The, what we're saying here is the Newton-Raphson technique and the nonlinear equation stuff has nothing 
to do with the Monty Hall problem. Right, okay, you just said two more things I didn't know what you what meant. What's the Newton-Raps? So the Newton-Raps, so we will get to this. So this is what you were asking about, the Newton technique. Ben, yeah. go. As soon as you get an arbitrary line and you're trying to work out perhaps where the highest point is or where the lowest point is, uh, you need to use some kind of technique. And Newton came up with the technique at the same time as Raphson. No, 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 no. Raphson oh. came up 50 years before, apparently. Okay, at approximately the same time, <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, In a galaxy used, far, far away. Which is used to find the solution. <laughs> so, so Newton invented calculus, which is essentially... Uh, or did Leibniz. Oh, okay. Newton may have invented calculus, <laughs> which essentially is finding the maximum of a, a wiggly line, perhaps. Well, the highest point that it comes up to. Okay. okay. And, and there's a technique which you can use, which essentially says... Okay, we're going to follow this line upwards until we reach the top, and we're going to get closer and closer to the top. And when we stop being able to get up any further, then we've reached the top. Yeah. So okay? it's just it, just to sort of clarify what Ben said there, uh, amongst all of our interruptions, it's simply uh, an approximation technique. So whereas we can solve the others exactly when you can't, and as you said, can't we just draw the line? Well, instead of just drawing it, we have the Newton-Raphson technique, which allows us to proxim to approximate the solution. And is it, does it not take ages? Uh, no, no, that's actually quite quick. Um, now, I'm going to confuse you here by saying something. It converges in quadratic time, which is actually Ooh. a very fast convergence. So a computer could do it in a couple of seconds. You know, it's yeah. not, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's something... Okay. It's actually, it's well, the, the, it's, it's a pretty good technique. It's a pretty good algorithm, but it doesn't how, how always How long work. could you guys do it in? Oh, God, I, I couldn't <laughs> do it in a week. So how, what, did you, what did Newton do? Did he just spend a week? Yeah, pretty much. You'd do it by hand. I mean, I guess they had less to do in those days. Uh, but let me go back to actually the idea of what the technique does. The technique allows you to solve equations generally, but it doesn't always work. It can sometimes fail. There's another technique called the bisection technique, and this does not fail, but it's extremely slow. And the idea is exactly what you said. You, know, you, 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 mm -hmm. you, you draw your graph and you find out roughly where, the, where your solution is. Okay, It's just a general solution, but you know there is a solution. What you then do is you take two numbers either side of that solution and you evaluate your function. And then you keep halving your um, interval until uh -huh. you get your interval small enough that your root is inside it. And because your root, you know your root is there, it never fails. It's just really, really slow to converge. So it's like zooming in on Google Maps. So let's play a game, Lid, okay? I'm thinking of a number... Yay! I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 100, okay? And I'm not going to tell you what it is. But you is it 69? You can guess, and I'm going to say higher or lower. Okay. It's 69. We both know it's 69. No, lower. Uh, is it 21? Higher. 50? Higher. 60? <laughs> higher. 68? Lower. Um, 64? Oh, lower. So, I'm getting a flashback to a night we had in 2007. Um... <laughs> Uh, 62. Higher. 63. Yes. Yay! The point is that you were a little bit all over the shop. Okay? So yeah, you no, I know. I know I was supposed to start at 50 and then 25. Absolutely. Okay, so that's, that's the bisection. bisection. That's it. That's bisection. But I wanted to say 69 as many times as possible. <laughs> as we all did. But no, so you knew the technique. That idea of halving the interval will always work. It's just quite mm -hmm. slow. The Newton-Raphson right. technique would work quicker, but it might not work at all. Okay. 
do we want to talk about uh, gambling? Yes, gambling. Let's get to the gambling. Oh, that's very the sexy much. Okay, so th- I mean, this is what the movie is about. It okay? is. It's it called is. Twenty One, which annoys me a little bit because Twenty One is a different game for blackjack. Okay, <laughs> but it's but it's a it's a it's because he's Twenty One and it's his coming of age movie. It was I, it was pretty much as if he, someone had held up a sign saying like plot device. It really, yeah. No, I, I was expecting <laughs> him to go home to the number Twenty One house. I really was. Or twenty-two, because he's because he's grown. You'd have to go to twenty-two and then go to twenty and go to the one in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. He gets drunk after his birthday and tries to find his house. No, too high. No, too low. <laughs> okay. uh, does Mister Newton Rapson live here? No. <laughs> so the point the point of um, the point of going to casinos is for the casino to make money from you. Yes. Okay. Yes. And every yeah. game in a casino is weighted in favour of the house. And I find it mathematically easiest to explain this in terms of expected win. Okay? So, if we uh, uh, think about a fruit machine in the UK, okay, a one-armed bandit in the US, then if you look on the top of it, it will say on it, this machine pays out 72% of everything put into the machine. Okay, and I know certainly in the UK it has to say that. Mm Mm-hmm. But the point is, if you put £10 in, you expect to get £7.20 out yep. Okay, in the long term. Now, obviously, you might put a pound in and get £50 out. You might put mm-hmm. £100 in and get nothing out. But the expectation is such that you will always get a proportion out. Okay? So, and we okay. can think of this in many games of chance. Okay, so the National Lottery, the government takes about 25% of the money. Uh, the retailers take a proportion of the money. Uh, so when you add up all these bits and pieces, 50% goes out. So for every lottery, national lottery ticket you buy in the UK, you pay a pound and you expect to win 50p. Well, hold on, well, isn't it two pounds now? Yes. So for every two pounds you pay, you expect to get one pound out. Um, Although only on a kind of hugely aggregate basis. Absolutely. Yes, yes. So the, so the idea is you tempt people in uh, so, so we could play a game. Let's think of another game. Another game. Okay. Another game. Another game. Okay. So you're going to pay ten pounds to play this game. Okay. Wait. Am I okay. actually going to have to pay you ten pounds? No, no. It's a theoretical game. Okay. Okay. Good. I know you never pay your debts, so don't worry. About that. <laughs> uh, so you're going to pay ten pounds, and you could either I'm going to toss a coin, a fair coin, and mm-hmm. if it's heads, you win twenty pounds, and if it's tails. You win nothing. Okay. okay. So that's one game you can play. Or you can play another game. And you pay £10 to play. I roll a dice. And okay. if, it, if it comes out six, you win uh, £60. Uh-huh. And it, if it comes out anything else, you lose and you get nothing. Okay. So which game do you want to play? Isn't my expected winnings over time £10 in either case? Absolutely right. <laughs> Those games I explained to you were fair games, okay? But if I yeah. shave them a little bit, okay? So if I say you're going to win 0 or £19, or 0 or £59, mm-hmm. okay? Then, if I play that game with a lot of people, I make a fortune, okay? Yeah. Okay, because every game I get a small amount from you in effect because the laws of average say you're going to start losing and this is how casinos work but right okay let's get to 
So I, the thing is, so Blackjack, I always knew as Pontoon. Yeah, we used to play it at school. So, so Blackjack and Pontoon are two different games. Okay, there's various games where you have to make them add up to 21. They're called things like 21, Pontoon, Blackjack. Okay. Um, so Blackjack, Blackjack is always played against a dealer as well, which also makes it quite oh, okay. different. Okay. So how does Blackjack work? You are playing against the dealer, okay? And the aim of the game is to get as high, uh, close to 21 as you can with a uh, as many cards as you like, basically. The dealer has to follow some formulate rules to get close to 21. So, for example, typically, if he's got less than 15 points showing, he'll have to keep drawing cards until he gets to 21. And the rules are set out such that a player, if he uses a good strategy, he or she uses a good strategy, of course, um, will uh, be able to win, I think, about 97, 98%. Yeah, so I've seen that if, if you play optimally, because there is a thing called basic strategy, then Absolutely. it's still in the favour of the casino, but it's only about 0.5% is what I've read. 05 to 2%. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's slightly confusing that casinos use slightly different rules yeah, for blackjack. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, 97, 98% you get if you play optimally, okay? The casino always wins if they get blackjack. Of course they do. Okay, all right. So the blackjack is like the green zero yeah, on the yeah. roulette wheel. Okay, it's 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 the it's the it's the edge for the casino, and there's some complicated rules called insurance and payment. Let's take 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 that away. Okay, um, so generally the house wins for two reasons: one, because players play badly, um, and two, because there's an inbuilt anti-symmetry in the game which revolves around this process of blackjack. Okay, and I think probably in most casinos, one is more important than two. Okay, because people get drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, most people in, in Las Vegas are not going to be going counting cards, I assume. that you know The majority are there, stag nights, uh, and just having fun. Absolutely, you know? a- absolutely. I mean, it's a possibility many of them won't even be able, be able to count by that stage. <laughs> Another fact, if you will. Um, when they were making this film, they didn't think they would be able to actually film in casinos because it's showing you how to count. But they were actually very... Um, excited about filming it because of the, this exact point that they don't exactly show you how to do it um they, they skip over some of the details so from the casino's point of view you'll have this huge group of people watch the film and think oh i can count cards now and then go and lose their money even having watched it now i'm not totally bad at maths i would have no idea how that worked okay so we've said that you have a 98 percent chance of or you have an expected win of 98 percent yeah playing blackjack Okay, so that is just assuming that you forget what has happened previously. And what casinos tend to do is they take six decks of cards and they shuffle them. Okay, Mm -hmm. and you keep playing with that six decks until they run out and then you shuffle them again. So, if you are lucky, or if you can count the cards, you know what the history is, then you can work out what's happened in the past and you can work out what, what card is more likely to come. So, for example, if you've seen a lot of aces on the table already, there's not a lot of aces left in the stack. Mm. So the, the point is that aces tend to favour the player. High cards tend to favour favor the player, because the blackjack, we've already said, pays three to two. Okay? So, uh, we want to get a blackjack. So if you've not seen a lot of aces, then this is the way to do it. Okay, you, 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 you only play 
when there's still a lot of high cards left on the deck. So this is where the card counting system comes in. So I think we should jump into that to really see how the power is. As they mentioned in the film, yes. all the low cards, you add one to your score. So if you see two, three, four, five, six, you plus one. So you get one, two, three, four, five, and you keep counting. Any high cards, you subtract off. Okay, so then you go one, two, three, four, oh, three, two, one, one, three, four, five, and you keep going up and down. The higher the number suggests that there are more high cards left in the deck. And as Ben said, that favours the player. So as the deck becomes hotter, um, you're, you want to bet more. Absolutely. So if you, if you can keep some count of the deck, if you can count how many high cards are left, then you know it's a good time to play. And then the way you win is you start putting up your stake when it favours you, and you lower your state when it fails. And this is actually one of the, the key things of the film, which I don't think it really went into that, that much or that clearly. The reason why these guys were able to be so successful was that they didn't uh, have wild surges in their betting. Because normally if you're counting cards, you'd say, oh, the, the cards are now coming in my favour, I'll start betting more. But that's quite obvious to the dealer. And they can say, oh, you're card counting, get out. But what they had was a system of, okay, now this, get is, this uh, desk is getting hot, so someone else would come in and just start always playing big. Then they wouldn't have that wild swing. You'd have your guy playing small in the corner, and then the guy come along and play, play always big. Okay. But, I mean, the maths overall is simple. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You play and you bet more. You play and you bet more when the odds are in your favour, and you don't play when you don't. So the odds aren't in your favour. So why is it difficult to count cards? You have to keep track of a lot of things. It happens quickly, and you uh, casinos don't like it if you count cards. So you have to sort of pretend you're not counting cards while you're counting cards. <laughs> you have to be able to carry on a conversation. You have to actually play the game. You have to uh, manage your finances. So, you know, it's relatively tricky um, uh, to do all these things at once. Um, and actually, you know, to a certain extent, casinos don't mind too much because they've got so much coming in from everyone else. It's so difficult to do. Um, if somebody starts winning money, the only way to win money is if you're cheating. So <laughs> if, somebody if somebody consistently wins money, they say, well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, here's your winnings. Don't yeah, back again. yeah. I mean, I... I think the, you know, getting someone into the basement and beating them up is a little bit, or I hope it's a myth anyway. I think it's, as Ben said, because they're earning so much, unless you're really wiping them out, they can just say at the end of the night, you've had a good run, goodbye. Possible to do it once, okay? It may be possible to do it at Atlantic City. Cool. Well, I mean, I think that answers a lot of the maths questions in this. I mean, Lyd, do you, do you feel satiated now? <laughs> Uh, by, by maths. Um, okay, so what were my maths questions? So, I, yeah, I wanted to understand the counting, which I think I, I, think I do understand now. You, you're not convincing me, Lyd. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's simply, um, the counting just simply comes down, as Ben said, you're counting the cards to make sure a deck getting hot means that there are a lot of high cards that are left. That's all you're counting. Have lots of low cards come out, high cards are left. Bet more. So, do you have to stay at the table for a long you need, time? Yeah, you need your spotters there. Because, all the like, time. You, like you, but like also, like when even when you're playing, presumably you don't win every single hand. Well, so again, it's just long-term average. Okay, if your count is high, so if the uh, there's still a lot of aces and high cards left in the deck, 
on average you'll win. But eventually those high cards will be dealt, or you'll come to the end of a shoe, so you'll come to the end of a six-deck run, mm-hmm. um, and um, then the deck will go cold, and you'll get up and you'll go to another table, which also might, might be a sign you're a card counter. <laughs> yeah. So would it be a good technique if I was to go to a casino... Um, where honestly, I thought I've always felt I would fit in um, with my extraordinary. I think you have that kind of um, femme fatale thing about you. You know, you you'd be be behind Bond, just peeping over, bringing luck. You know, <laughs> trying to sip his martini. Let's do a podcast at Las Vegas. When, when we start, <laughs> when we when we get famous, Ben. When we get famous. Okay. Yeah, we'll do a like hundredth episode. Yes, of the Vegas I like special. it. Have, have um, a goal. That's what we're going for. Uh, and I, I will be recording from behind Daniel yes. Craig. Um, Anyway, my question was... I've forgotten my question now because I'm thinking about Daniel Craig. Oh, um, if you were going into a question, casino, that was it. Oh, yeah, if I was to go to a casino, could I just... Would it be a good technique to go to sort of hang around looking for a table where people seem like they're winning? No, 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 because if they're winning, they're then that runs out the deck. It. You don't want that. But, like, if, if they kind of, you know, if they run... If, if someone has, like, a short run, presumably I've still got time to get in and kind of get the end of that hot deck... Well, we don't know how hot the deck is. It may just be a fluctuation in the probability. But yeah, I think this is a. I think this is if you if you if you're going to gamble, this is about the best technique you can. Okay. I mean, people do this with slot machines, don't they? They they look if a slot machine hasn't paid out for a long time, wait for the person to get bored, and then go in a few coins later. Yeah, and ka-ching. you can do. Yeah, as I said, you know, uh, slot machines have to pay out a fixed percentage. So if you sit yeah. there and you wait and you see they're not paying out. It's not a stupid tactic to sit there and put a few pounds in, see if they're going to pay out. And there was some, um, as we mentioned before, I think, there was a, a bunch of um, uh, American uh, uh, students who managed to beat, beat roulette by essentially putting a computer in their shoe and being, a, be, being able to predict, not entirely accurately, but being able to get some ideas about where a ball would land based on the trajectory of the ball spinning around the roulette wheel. Um, so again, it's another um, fascinating. So did they have thing. to? Did they have to record it with like glasses or something? No. What they did is they had a uh, they had a computer in their shoes. So this was back in the eighties when computers were sort of you know just becoming portable, um, and they uh, managed to work out how fast the roulette wheel was spinning. Was, was it like a massive clown shoe? <laughs> yeah. Just flop, 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 flop. That'd be great. How how fast the ball was spinning the other way, and obviously where the ball and the wheel were relative to each other, and then mm. just sort of did some equations to work out where the ball was most likely to land, and then bat, bet on those numbers and the numbers around it. Um, so, I mean, the maths of it was very simple, but the, the technology of getting a computer in your shoe and getting it past the casino was um, genius. Crucially, if you're being a casino, the point is you've got to do things long term yes but this is it you know if you can get your expected win to 100.1 percent and you've got a little bit of a bankroll you will always win but i think, I think we've done well i mean lids do you have any more questions no I'm, I'm out of maths questions excellent i think well I, I hope we've all grown as people well just as, as a final thing though so what, what did you think of the film did you like it would you recommend it so for me marks out of 12 kind of arbitrary but i like it as, as, a, as a movie, I enjoyed it. I'm going to give it 8 out of 12. Um, and for the mathematics, which were actually quite average, I'm going to give it 10 out of 12. So for me... Hold on, hold on. Your average, your average maths is 10 out of 12. <laughs> I, I, just for the quality of the mathematics, <laughs> leaving aside the artistic merit of the film. 
Okay, okay. For me, overall, the film, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. But anyway, for me, I'm going to say my marking scheme goes up to 13. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm just going to say um, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it falls down whenever you get the romantic teen comedy coming in. But as, as Ben said, I think the maths was done well, but it was a bit all over the place. Um, I don't think I'd watch it again. That, that would be my, I'm glad I watched it, but I don't think I'd watch it again. Lid, what do you so think? I'm going to mark it out 69. Um, <laughs> and so I, I found, oh, you know, do you know what? Everyone worked very hard on it and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. Oh, don't, don't, them. don't come with that. Don't go, oh, you, you worked very hard, 69 out of 69. They, made a, ton of, they made a ton of money out of it. I checked. So nobody lost, nobody lost their house. So I'm going to, I'm going to be straight. Um, for me, it was pretty clunky. It was pretty clunky plot-wise. It, it was. was Kev- it was. Kevin Spacey might as well have just worn a badge saying father figure. Like, <laughs> it was, it, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of subtlety. There was, Ben was the only character who developed. I mean, poor old Kiana, literally, like, at least Choi gets to be a kleptomaniac. Poor old Kiana doesn't, doesn't get anything. She has n- literally no character at all. Um, yeah, so I'm going to yeah. say out of 69, maybe, like, 35 for the <laughs> plot. I love how arbitrary these are. And then, that, that's, so, so that's not a recommendation then. And then like well, that. do you know, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I got a bit anxious at the end. I had to look up the, the plot on Wikipedia to make sure it all ended up okay. But um, <laughs> And then for the maths, as a kind of lay person, I'm going to say... Uh, I, I'm going to say higher, actually, like 45, because, they, you know, they had a good stab at trying to explain it. Good. Well, I think it's time for a puzzle. So as you heard at the beginning of the podcast, Ben has just recently celebrated his birthday. And he is currently 50 years, 50 months, 50 weeks, 50 days and 50 hours old. (laughs) How old will he be on his next birthday? Now, we have no prizes for this, but... The prize is the honour and the glory of being the first to tweet or email your answer to us and have that glory. So if you want to email your answers to us, we are podcastmaths at gmail.com. And if you want to tweet at us, please do podcastmaths at. Finally, if you've enjoyed the podcast, then the best thing you can do is please tell everyone you know who might be interested in it. Any geek, any nerd that you might know, get them a copy of this any way you can. Tell them to download it, burn it onto a CD... Uh, cut it into a gramophone record LP. Tattoo it on. Tattoo the waveform on your back and let them listen to it. We want to get this message of maths at the movies out into the world. And with that, does anyone have anything else they want to say? I just I enjoyed it, and let's do it again sometime, Tom. Okay, lid. Yep, same from me. Excellent. So, with that, thank you for listening. We have been maths. At the movies, and until no- next time, we're winning at maths but losing at life. Thank you very much. <laughs> Goodbye. This podcast is a random walks production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker, and the enigmatic Liz. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nikolai Heidlas, and the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library. <laughs> <laughs>